It's not just about Chooks Okorafor. It's about the entire offensive line, and it's about just leaving them alone. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. The Steelers don't have a full practice again until tomorrow because of the Monday night meeting next week with the Bears. They will be at the facility at UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. Today we'll hear from Ben Roethlisberger and a couple other players along the way, but nothing, you know, real organized or whatever. As a result, we're not going to get our first glimpse or indications from anyone as to how the offensive line might be shaping up toward that game against Chicago. And at no point in the process will I be asked by anyone over there of importance what I think about how the line should set up. But hypothetically speaking, purely hypothetically, if I were, I would strongly advocate leaving it alone. Yes, I've been critical of this group. It has been impossible to avoid being critical. It was to be expected that they would struggle, and they sure did. This line, especially the younger guys, Kendrick Green, Kevin Dotson, Dan Moore, to an extent, Chooks Okorafor, looked at times like he didn't belong in the National Football League. I mean, that's, that's how ugly it got. It wasn't just the pass protection. It was the run blocking. It was the stunting. It was the pulling. It was the movement. It was the false starts, the holding. I mean, a lot of that's still happening. But it's all gotten better, too. Of all the positives that you can uncover from watching that game Sunday in Cleveland, as many times as you like, and I'm on my third, the one thing that really jumps out as the most improved as a facet from the opener in Buffalo to this was the offensive line. There were plays, running plays, by Najee Harris in which the Steelers dominated, dominated with the blocking. You didn't mishear that. They didn't just execute their assignments. They didn't just go to the right guy. They didn't just take up a space or get in someone's way. They bullied the person at the other end. They didn't just function as an obstacle. They buried people. Not every time, and it definitely wasn't perfect, 
But it was the first time, no lie here, that I thought to myself in watching this football team, okay, now maybe it at least makes a little bit of sense why the front office went into this season believing in this group and believing that this was the way to go at this vital position. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online. Maybe a flexible hybrid format will work for you. Learn more about all of this at pointpark.edu. And what I can't wrap my head around, and really, to be honest with you, had a hard time wrapping my head around on the drive up to Cleveland, was the idea that Zach Banner would just walk onto the field and quote-unquote retake his starting job. And when I put that in the Seinfeldian quotes here, the reason that I do that is that for as long as we've considered Banner to be the starting right tackle, fact of the matter is he's done that in his life once. And most unfortunately, wasn't able to finish that game. That, of course, being the 2020 opener in East Rutherford against the Giants. Went down with a knee injury from which he is still reasonably and understandably recovering. Last week, Banner was a full participant in practices. Banner was utilized in such a way that it would have been not at all surprising had he started in Cleveland, but he didn't. He didn't. Didn't even get a helmet. He was inactive. Joe Haig was the one who got that helmet instead. Joe Haig is available to back up at both right and left tackle. Banner is available only for right tackle. Banner, if he starts at right tackle, moves Chooks over to left tackle, which he used to play a long time ago, but hasn't played at all this season and hasn't participated in any kind of reps there, at least not meaningful ones, in practice this year and none whatsoever in games. So you're bringing back Banner, theoretically, to put him at right tackle, to move Chooks to a position he hasn't played, and to move Dan Moore completely off the field right after telling Dan Moore that you trust him to get the best of Miles Garrett. Oh, and by the way, right after Moore does do a very, very good job against Garrett. You see what I'm saying here? Why? Why? If we were talking about a prime of his career, Jonathan Ogden type, you know, who'd really earned his stripes and who was just so uh, overwhelming a presence on the football field that you can just roll out of bed and, 
and do the job better than anybody else. It's, it's an easy conversation to have, but that's not the one we're having. I looked at this offensive line and the way they performed overall. And to repeat, for the first time, really liked it. Really thought it made sense. I wasn't alone, by the way. Here's what Ben had to say. You know, I, I was jo- I've been joking with Dan all week, and I just told him now he can finally sleep. Um, you know, Miles is, is a special talent. I told him, you know, after the game that, that he can keep the tombstone in there, but I'll take the win uh, in his yard. But, um, you know, he, he's special. I thought Dan did a great job. Um, I think Miles had one sack, maybe two. I don't, I don't even know. But, you know, the one, it, it's tough. You ask a guy, a rookie especially, to, to go against that guy and what he did today was was pretty special. I, I, I can't say enough about the line. Run game, pass pro, um, they're, 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 they're the heart of this group. If you're going to mess with that, I've got two things to say. One, now is the time to do it because you have the little bit of extra prep period here between now and the Bears. And, of course, you are facing the Bears. And then after that, the Lions. And two is better be sure. Better be sure. What you don't need here is to be hitting some kind of grand reset button once you've finally gotten things to start working. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question, and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbin, Kelly, and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need assistance with workers' comp and medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated super lawyers, capital S, capital L, for the past 15 years. And yes, that is a real thing. The super lawyer designation is reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Today's J1Q comes from Eric who asks, DK question on the Melvin Gordon trade. Do you see the Steelers viewing this as addition via subtraction? I know his snaps were going down, but isn't it better to have more talent on the team than less? Unless, of course, they're higher on taco after his season debut Sunday. Eric, I'll, you know, actually, I was about to get into something else. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address your actual question first. Yes, they view it as addition through subtraction. Yes, his snaps were going down and he wasn't as big a part of the defense as maybe he thought he would be. Yes, Mike Tomlin was plenty comfortable with addressing the subject himself yesterday what the team needs is first and foremost um and that's just how it goes that's the component of team sport and football in particular um that's always the first and foremost but from a team perspective also um it's better to have volunteers as opposed to hostages and so that's good for the team as well and yes by the way taco charlton did acquit himself nicely Sunday in Cleveland, and the Steelers were plenty pleased by that, by every 
account and should have been. He did fine out there. This is a guy who came here with some pedigree. And if he can take some of the snap burden off of T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, then he'll be doing his job. If T.J. goes down, as we saw against the Bengals and then the game he was actually hurt in, the Raiders game, it, it, it doesn't matter who you put in. He's T.J. Watt. You, you can't replace him. It's like talking about who's going to come in at quarterback. If Alex Highsmith goes down, it's, it's a different discussion, but Highsmith would be a pretty significant loss in his own right if that were to happen. So to some extent, I mean, you can't just have starters sitting around to be backups. Nobody's got that. Now, hopefully I answered that. Let me say what I actually want to say on this subject. There is a significant percentage of either the media and or the fan base, and it's always hard to tell which one's the horse and which one's the cart, although in this case I would lean more toward the media, that will take something like this that means next to nothing for this franchise and make it into the issue because they think that's the way to get you to pay attention to their personalities or their product or whatever it is. And for me, that's not the turnoff. The turnoff is the number of people who fall for it. I'm not pointing to you here. I'm not. I have no way of knowing or gauging what your motivation is for asking this question. It could be just as simple as what you said is, you know, concern for the backup spot. I'm talking about the people that made this out to be some really big deal. Oh no, Melvin Ingram's upset. Like who cares? This is your backup outside linebacker. Who thought this was an issue? You know, now if TJ's upset, we got us some headlines. I mean, I could even make an argument that the same would apply to Alex or something lesser, but something would apply to Alex Highsmith, if it was him, it, it, this is, this is, it's the laziest form of discussing slash debating a football team, which is to find or to manufacture some form of drama because you can't talk about the actual football that's taking place right in front of you. That's the part that gets me and the part, and the, part that that people can't see through that or hear through that if it's radio that bugs me that much more who is reading watching or listening to someone talking about melvin ingram being disgruntled and thinking to themselves hey this is a valid topic i heard from people over the past few days saying things like, do you really think the Steelers should trade him inside the division or the conference? What? <laughs> 32-year-old backup linebacker. Who cares? Who cares where he goes? At this stage of his career, he's a glorified Anthony Ciccolo. Who cares? There's just so much actual football 
to talk about. When you're talking about, gasp, a football team. And when you're fresh off a game like the one Sunday in Cleveland that had so many layers, so many chapters, so many different things, including, by the way, drama and points of controversy and everything else, and you still somehow come away from that talking about Melvin bleeping Ingram and his being disgruntled or going to the Chiefs. Like, who cares? I, I'm glad the question came, though. I, I'm glad I had one crack at it here because all I've done with this, this non-thing for the better part of two weeks is to completely ignore it. So here it is. Melvin Ingram's gone. His statue is still here. We'll always have the memories, Melvin Ingram. Let's do this again tomorrow. Thanks for the question. Thanks for listening to the show. Thank you.